The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Now on Mitchell's Front Page, On the Road with Toby Hagan. Good morning to you, Toby. How are you? Morning, Mitchell. Very well, thanks. Well, uh, the Tesla Cybertruck, that was announced with much fanfare, but I have to say I haven't heard a lot since it was first announced. And wasn't the uh, the whole concept of the design found to be perhaps not compliant with road safety and design principles, so they had to perhaps go back to the drawing board a little bit? A little bit, yeah. I mean, look, uh, as you said, I mean, this is a car that uh, was a, was revealed in 2019, albeit as a prototype, not as the uh, the final model. And um, Tesla since then has sort of uh, has, has effectively um, acknowledged that there's still work to be done on the car in terms of making it ready for the road. There's also been question marks as to whether the Cybertruck will be uh, available for sale in Australia, given that um, uh, it has predominantly been made to US regulations, whereas our regulations align more closely with those in Europe. Um, that said, though, Tesla Australia is still taking deposits, $150 deposits, where you can pre-order the car on their website. Uh, but there has been a pretty significant change over the last uh, last few days, and that is that um, they've pushed the timing out. So uh, it's the latest Tesla to be pushed back in terms of timing. They're now saying that um, uh, they're expecting production to near in 2022. So they're not saying production will happen in 2022, they're saying it'll near in 2022. Um, now, they had initially said they were expecting vehicles to be produced sometime this year. Uh, it seems like the earliest will now be 2022, if not 2023 or beyond. So um, so a pretty significant change there. Um, where, as I said, the, the big question is when, it, uh, when and if it arrives in Australia. But uh, that appears to be even further down the track. So we don't know. We could be seeing cyber trucks driving around in maybe the late 2020s, but we're not sure. I think it'll be sooner than that. I mean, look, Tesla, uh, they often do delays with their cars. It's not unusual for a model to be um, delayed. They sort of come out pretty bolshy saying that um, that they'll have something shortly and then it tends to, to drag on a bit. But they do eventually get there and they tend to, when they get there, they tend to do a fairly good job of it. The, the, the four cars they've got on sale now, three of them are on sale in Australia, um, all stand up relatively well and they're certainly... Um, towards the top in terms of the electric vehicle class. But, uh, but so I would expect it in the next, um, next couple of years, certainly. Um, but as I said, we're, when they arrive in Australia, not quite sure. It's going to be surreal to see them driving around just because it's such a big departure and there's a lot of talk now about how all cars essentially look the same. Once you see them driving around, maybe it will feel like being in a futuristic world. Oh, absolutely. And this is something, you know, clearly they're going for that with the design of it. It's sort of a, it's almost a, a kid-like design in terms of the basic angles. A lot of sharp angles on it. Very, very different to any of, any of the other utes on the market, um, which is what they're going for. I mean, they said that they said at the time they didn't do any customer research in terms of the design of this truck, um, but they realised that it was going to stand out. And there will be plenty of people buying it purely for the looks. They love the fact that it's so different to anything else on the market. Um, and, yeah, I mean, so, so it will be interesting to see how that plays out. And as you say, I mean, it looks like something out of a sci-fi movie. It's so different to any other uh, electric ute. Not that it won't be short of competition. I mean, there's in excess of a dozen electric utes now under development. Uh, and, you know, where we thought the Cybertruck might be one of the first ones, it's now not shaping up to be that. 
we're looking to uh, to get the Ford F-150 Lightning. has already been uh, revealed in its production, guys. That uh, goes into production early next year in America. Um, the Rivian R1T is another uh, another uh, truck from a startup brand. So that's uh, a brand that's got a lot of um, a bit of a cult following online, a little bit like Tesla. So Rivian's going to have its truck on sale hopefully later this year. Uh, and as I said, there's more than a dozen other ones uh, currently in the works. So a lot going on in that electric pickup truck market. And Tesla and its prices, I think they've just reviewed their prices and increased them, haven't they? On a couple of cars, yes. So, um, and this is another thing that happens with Tesla. They often dart around a bit with pricing, sometimes up, sometimes down. In this case, the prices have gone up on two of their models. So the, the more affordable versions of their, uh, their Model S and their Model X, which uh, the Model S is their first of their cars, their sort of large sedan. The Model X is their uh, first SUV, the larger SUV. Now, both of those cars, the base model versions, have gone up by about $15,000 literally overnight. Happened in the last week or so. Now makes them even more expensive, obviously. So um, the base model car, for example, starts at about uh, $171,000 for the, the Tesla Model 3 uh, sorry, Tesla Model S long range and the Tesla Model X long range is about $199,000. So it's, um, so they're not cheap vehicles. Um, that said, they get a fair bit of kit in them and they've got that uh, yoke-style steering wheel that we've talked of previously, inspired by a steering wheel on a uh, on an aeroplane and um, and some interesting tech and so on inside. So um, from a, I guess from the rest of the perspective of the car in terms of the electric vehicle range and so on, they're certainly uh, still very strong but now more expensive. Now, Jeep, uh, they're going to produce their first EV very soon, so that's another brand to join the world of electric vehicles. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Jeep, um, if you think of all the brands that uh, that maybe you wouldn't have imagined having an electric version, I, I would think Jeep would be somewhere high on that list. But Jeep's actually already going pretty strongly with its 4XE or 4xE uh, as in 4 by electric models um, that they've got on sale over in America, the plug-in hybrid versions. <clears throat> and now they've come out and said that they will, uh, they'll have their first full electric car on sale globally in 2023. And they haven't confirmed what that car will be, um, but the expectation is that it will probably be a small SUV. So keeping in mind that uh, Jeep these days is owned by Stellantis, which is a, um, a merging of two st- uh, already big companies, one of them being Fiat Chrysler, the other one being Peugeot Citroen. So you've actually got 14 brands as part of that Stellantis stables now. And um, so Jeep can then delve into the, uh, I guess, a lot of the development work being done on electric vehicles around the group. And the expectation is that this Jeep might, uh, this first electric Jeep might be shared with some other uh, small SUVs within that Stellantis group, possibly one from Fiat. So, um, so yeah, it'll be, uh, be interesting to see. I mean, it's certainly a big change for a brand like Jeep. Uh, prices for the new Land Cruiser have been announced. Quite expensive. Very expensive, yeah. The 300 Series Land Cruiser, which is, you'd have to say, one of the most, if not the most, hotly anticipated uh, car on the market or car to arrive uh, in Australia this year. Due on sale sometime before the end of the year. And um, <clears throat> they've announced that the pricing of the base model car, so the most affordable Land Cruiser you can get, it's just under $90,000 plus on road costs. So you're looking at the best part of $100,000 drive away for what is a pretty basic car. I mean, that basic Land Cruiser, um, yes, it's got a lot more equipment these days. You've got a lot of the safety features in there that you didn't get uh, previously, but uh, still a fairly basic car. Once you get up to the, uh, the seven-seat versions and the, um, 
the more expensive models, uh, you're then looking at uh, upwards of $110,000. So for the GXL model, you used to be able to pick one of those up for about $80,000. Even then it seemed expensive. Now you're looking at one hundred and ten. And as I said, albeit getting a lot more equipment in it, certainly uh, certainly a fair whack for uh, for what, what you're getting with the car there. So there's going to be a broader model range as well. So you've still got the, uh, the core models, I guess they'd call them, the GX, the GXL, the VX and the Sahara. So those four models that we've had previously... But there's now two models that will sit above that. One of them is the Sahara ZX, so even more luxury. So they've thrown more equipment at it, things like a head-up display and um, 20-inch wheels, for example, and uh, also some rear entertainment screens, so um, screens to keep the kids happy. But also another one called the GR Sport. So it's the first time. I mean, GR for Toyota means Gazoo Racing. It's their um, high-performance sub-brand. In the Land Cruiser, though, it's actually going to be uh, not so much about straight-line speed or going around corners fast. It's more about off-road. It's more about uh, stepping up that off-road prowess. So that GR Sport will have additional features such as um, three differential locks, for example, to improve the, uh, uh, the off-road performance and the off-road traction and also some different styling. So it gets some blacked-out components and instead of the, uh, the stylized T-badge on the front of the car, it's going to have the Toyota... Uh, Toyota emblazoned across the front, so a, a Toyota written across the front in the old school style. So it's uh, uh, a very different um, Land Cruiser lineup, at least at the top end of the range. Who do you think is Land Cruiser's main competitor? Because when you've got that hundred thousand dollars to spend on a new car, uh, yeah, that money can go a long, long way, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I guess um, you know its most direct competitor for decades has been the uh, the Nissan Patrol. That's the car that most closely aligns with it. In recent years, that Patrol hasn't been available with a diesel engine, which is what people really want in those large SUVs. That said, the Patrol, which has actually had a bit of a price rise itself recently, that Patrol is now looking like something of a bargain. I mean, when you look at that, you know, you can you can step into a really nice one now for about eighty thousand dollars. So, mm. a lot of equipment in there. Um, and a lot of grunt from the V8 engine. And yes, it's going to use more fuel, but um, but geez, 30 or 40 grand buys you a lot of petrol when uh, when you're looking at it for the longer term. So so the Patrol is the most obvious one. Um, but you know the Land Cruiser really has pushed into territory that is is these days dominated by something like a Range Rover. I guess the difference between a Range Rover and a Land Cruiser, Land Cruiser has the reputation, it has the runs on the board for reliability, for longevity. Um, for that uh, expectation that it will keep going trouble-free, which in remote areas and uh, country areas is absolutely critical in Australia. And that's something that at this stage, Range Rover and Land Rover do not have. They've um, still got a lot of work to do to convince people that their cars will go the distance. And uh, last of all, you've been driving a new plug-in hybrid from Kia. I have, yeah. The, which, uh, the Nero is available with... Um, uh, so it's a, a sort of small hatchback, almost a crossover-style hatchback, uh, it's available either as a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid, or a full electric car. And the uh, the full electric car is um, uh, that's a fairly expensive thing. The plug-in hybrid obviously sits in the middle of the range. Um, starts at about fifty thousand dollars, though, so not super cheap. And it's aimed as a bit of a best of both worlds. So you've got a one point six litre four cylinder petrol engine, fairly basic engine. But what, what you have got is this electric motor that sort of fills in some of the torque that's lacking from that petrol engine. So performance is reasonable, albeit um, not always uh, uh, consistent in terms of how it uh, delivers that uh, that power and torque across the range. But um, that's certainly a, uh, a reasonable performing thing. But as I said, the price is the uh, part of the challenge there. Well, thanks so much for being on the program. Always good to catch up and talk to you again in two weeks' time.
Sounds good. Thanks, Mitchell. Thank you very much. Toby Hagen there from evcentral.com.au. He is the editor of that online publication. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.